Welcome to Mind and Soul Matters, I'm Farah Feeney. Through conversations with everyday people, Mind and Soul Matters, a Baha'i-inspired podcast, aims to broaden our understanding of mental health and spirituality, and to deepen our insights into the challenges and meaning of our life. Our guest today is Dr. Jasmine Bell. Jasmine is a medical doctor working in general practice and involved in many community building activities in her local area. I'm really looking forward to having a conversation with Jasmine about her observations on the impact of COVID-19 on our mental health, particularly at a local community level, and her views on how spirituality can ease the burden of a global pandemic. Welcome, Jasmine. It's wonderful to have you here. Thanks for having me. We're aware of the many different ways our world has changed since 2019. So as an example, the World Health Organization published reports in May 2020 showing an increase in anxiety and depression in a number of countries due to COVID-19. But I'm really keen for us here today to talk about what is happening at a community level? So as a general practitioner working at that level, at the local community level, what have you observed over the past year in terms of the impact of COVID-19 and specifically in terms of people's mental health? Yeah, it's very interesting because here in Western Australia, we've been fortunate in that we've had very little illness here and also very little in the way of restrictions compared to other parts of the world. But yet it certainly has had a noticeable impact. What I noticed after the first lockdown was the number of mostly young people and university age students presenting with anxiety related symptoms. Most of us deal with anxiety by building a structure or a routine around which we live in order to create that sense of predictability. And, and this sense of order and predictability often keeps us feeling safe and uh, protects us and reduces those unpleasant feelings of anxiety. With the lockdown and its extended impact, what that did was it dismantled for a lot of people this sense of routine and structure very, very quickly. Mm. And and I think what that did was it uh, led to the unmasking of what was already there, an underlying anxiety disorder. I remember one particular young woman who was a university student studying here, family all in a different part of the country, who came to see me and she sat down and um, with real surprise in her voice, she said, I think I have an anxiety disorder. Like she was surprised. She was perplexed by this. It wasn't a way that she had ever thought about herself before. Mm. But when she had the routine of university, the, the daily social interaction, which was built into this, the structure that was built into this, uh, suddenly uh, and very quickly gone, she realised that underneath all of that was all of this anxiety and that she had no coping strategies or ways to manage that 
without Mm. that structure. And that's really interesting, Jasmine, that you say she was surprised by it Mm. because it it seems like she was very insightful. What, What I've noticed is that we can have certain symptoms but particularly, as you said, in Western Australia, we have been very fortunate in, in that there's been just over 900 cases from the very beginning. And it, it's hard for us to even put it together because it's this underlying current of uncertainty that's there, even if there are only 900 cases. And for this person that you're talking about to have that insight and to understand or to, to come to, to realise that, oh, these symptoms I'm feeling is possibly anxiety and to come and talk to the doctor about it that's very insightful yeah and I think that probably reflects also this general understanding and a willingness that is coming through about talking about mental health Mm -hmm. and I think generally there is a greater level of understanding and perception about that which is wonderful because then people can identify what the problem is and more readily seek help for that, which is, which is really good. And, and hopefully this sort of conversation that we're having today also contributes to that ability to raise the profile of mental health and to look and explore at ways that we can approach that and um, to help people through those challenges that they may be having as well. So you touched on, Jasmine, um, anxiety. Has there been any other things that you've noticed Yeah, I think the whole pandemic has led to a relearning in uh, places like Australia that have material affluence, that have political security and stability, a relearning of what it means to live with uncertainty. Mm. And I say a relearning because past generations before us and people in other countries and in other places have a daily understanding that life is uncertain, that life is unpredictable. Now, I can see that from my perspective sitting in my chair every day because I see the uncertainty that enters people's lives all of the time. There's there's an example every day, you know, the the weekend job of climbing up onto the roof to clear the gutters that ends in a fall and a significant injury, Uh, the peanut butter sandwich that ends up as an anaphylactic shock or the trip to the beach that, you know, that extreme end ends in a, a, a broken neck. These are all examples of how life is uncertain, our material existence is uncertain. But I think uh, for those of us living in, in particularly the countries, the Western countries, which have this material affluence, we've been able to delude ourselves, I think, into thinking that that doesn't apply to us, that these examples are just exceptions. And so we are collectively relearning what it means to live with uncertainty mm. and on, on a daily basis. And that what you've just described there it makes me think of the um, cancer patients that I work mm. with because when the global pandemic became a pandemic, all the, the, the everything that everyone was talking about was so similar to when a patient at an individual level experiences a cancer diagnosis. So for me sitting there listening and hearing and being part of what was happening 
I felt like the globe had gone through, our planet was going through a cancer diagnosis. Mm. There was the uncertainty, as you've um, pointed out, the possibility of death. Yes. What's going to happen? Will I see my loved ones? Will I be here for the next milestone for my child's birthday? Mm -hmm. All of this is very similar to when an individual goes through, through cancer. And it is, it is that we have this perception that we are in control and all those other things exactly as you said are the exceptions but as you've seen in your work it is something that could happen to anyone anytime that's right and i think um what this pandemic situation and this relearning of living with un- uncertainty gives us is it gives us an opportunity to look at how other places in the world how the how other people, other cultures, and also uh, our past generations have dealt with that uncertainty through their lives. I think one of the really important ones and one of the really crucial ones that we need to look to is that that belief in a higher power, a faith in a divine power. This can bring us hope, it can bring us courage, and it can create a sense of a refuge and a security within an uncertain world. Mm. And in what way do you think that operates? So if someone does have a belief in a higher power, how does that give us a sense of, give that person a sense of calmness in the chaos of what's mm. happening? Well, I guess because we, if we understand that our material existence is uncertain and it's unpredictable, then that sense of, of the divine, that is a certainty, that's a surety, that doesn't change, that's always there, that's something that we can always turn to, that we can always find relief from, mm. um, we can always find refuge in, no matter what our material circumstances are. And so I think that is the thing that we can turn to that gives us that sense of certainty when all around us everything else can is is uncertain that helps to anchor us that's exactly right and i mean the way that people express that and the way that they connect into that might look very different for different people as well too it might be you know collective devotion and collective worship mm-hmm. it it might be your own personal reflection and prayer and meditation Um, And it can even also be sort of acts of selfless service to our fellow humans Mm -hmm. and to our planet as well too as as ways of tapping into this sense of connection with the divine and this sense of um, certainty that exists Mm -hmm. and that has been an anchor and a rock for generations and generations before us and also for countless people throughout the rest of the world who are used to living with this ongoing daily sense of uncertainty and unpredictability. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I guess generations in the past have might have called that religion or faith, but now it's almost like science is catching up. For example, in psychology, mindfulness, it's a type of meditation. It's something that has probably been practiced for 
for many, many generations. Mm. But science has now proved that mindfulness is actually something that helps to feel at peace. And and mindfulness, just to give a brief description, is about living in the present and being censored and having that anchor. And that has been shown to help greatly with managing anxiety and particularly at times like this any type of meditation can be very helpful have you noticed jasmine in your practice people applying more of these strategies kind of turning more towards possibly spirituality whatever that might mean for them yeah i i definitely think that people are are looking for those those other ways of approaching things and i think it's also important to to not try and polarize science and spirituality as being things that are separate from each other as well too they don't have to be separate from each other you can you know um they they can be part of the one truth just what you were saying about mindfulness for example sometimes um we can prove that uh, you know we can show through scientific research for example that some of these practices that one might call you know, spiritual in a different context can also be proven with science to have a benefit for our mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, th- I think it's important that we don't try and separate all, all the time these different kind of, uh, you know, they're not different philosophies though they might be approaching the same problem from a from a different angle but but they can all contribute to um finding a solution and to solving a problem and i think what what we have done in in um a lot of the sort of western cultures over the last 100 to 200 years taken spirituality out of the equation when we're trying to solve a problem and I think it's time to start bringing that back into looking at how that can contribute to solving a problem with mental health, which we're talking about today, Mm -hmm. but also all of the other problems that exist as well too in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, we We need all of the approaches and we need to consider all of the possibilities and we need to be working together to approach solutions from many different perspectives and angles to find what are the best ways forward. So in your practice, have you noticed specific examples you can think of in terms of how they are turning to spirituality or or, or maybe not? Um, I mean, probably, I mean, there's the whole um, sort of concept of mindfulness, which I think has definitely come into the mainstream and that people are tapping into. Also, I think a real understanding also about how we need to start working together, being together and that cooperation um, as a way of approaching these problems. And that's certainly something that I have seen, this sort of working towards the common good, which people might not consider as being particularly a spiritual kind of approach, but it is. It's about thinking, okay, I'm going to wear this mask, although it's uncomfortable and it bothers me because it's it's creating protection for someone else and i am looking after my fellow humans around the world and in my community 
by wearing it. And that willingness to, to take on these difficult, inconvenient, uncomfortable things for the common good. I'm just thinking, you know, a year ago, I could never have imagined in a million years conducting consultations in the car park outside my clinic. Mm. It just would have been unthinkable to think that one, people would be happy to do that and that I would feel comfortable doing that as well. But yet, that was certainly very much part of last year's way of operating and practicing in order to, you know, limit the risk of infection towards other people and and to myself as well too. And and it just surprised me so much how flexible and willing and understanding people were to do something that that would, you know, contribute to that impact of working towards the common good, which is reducing the spread of of this virus through our community. Mm. And it's so I guess there's two things you've pointed out there. One is people in their personal lives practicing, having certain spiritual practices, whether that's through prayer or meditation, whatever the spirituality means for them. It might even be taking up art or something like that, contributing to their community, selfless service. But then the other aspect of it is it's brought out the spiritual side of people. It's brought out that selflessness that I'm going to do something the example you gave was a beautiful one, such as wearing a mask, Mm. which is uncomfortable. I don't like it, but I'm going to do it because it is what's best for the whole. It's best for the community. Jasmine, have you noticed any other positive outcomes from this uh, pandemic at your local community level? Yeah. um, Well, I mean, I guess the examples that we were just talking about are definitely one of them. And it just made me think about this, this man who came to see me after the first lockdown and he had lots of problems on his blood tests and we realised what the problem was and that was because he and his family had work uh, right during the, the lockdown and they really wanted to support the local cafes and businesses in their area so they were ordering takeaways every night <laughs> And he'd put on lots of weight and his cholesterol was terrible. And it was so sweet. It was so sweet. That's right. It was really sweet the way that we realised that that was the the reason for these problems. And he, he, you know, he got himself back on track very quickly. But it was just that, um, that lovely thinking about, oh, I'm in a fortunate situation. What can I do? for someone who is less fortunate, Mm. you know, uh, to, to keep their business going, to keep them going. But the other thing that I've noticed is I've been meeting lots of new people coming to the area. So they're coming in for, you know, their various medical issues and, um, hearing their stories as well too. And so, so many people have been returning to Perth if it's their hometown, because from all sorts of places from overseas other parts of Australia, because they want to be close to their extended family. And it's it's led to a reordering of priorities for them where that, you know, that very high paying job, that very fancy career that they have going in another uh, city or another part of the world just might not mean so much to them anymore when they can't be close to their parents, when they can't have their, you know, children have a relationship with their grandchildren. Mm. They're willing to sacrifice 
often these material comforts or privileges in order to have that closeness and to to have that connection with family that is you know that's certain rather than not not know when and where they'll ever see them again mm, that real reprioritizing mm. thinking what what gives my life meaning and purpose jasmine what recommendations would you have for people that might not be quite feeling themselves at the moment well i think the first thing always to do is to make contact with a health professional who can help you um, work through that. In Australia, that would be your general practitioner to start off with, um, to have a bit of a discussion, an assessment, try and tease out what, what are the issues, get a bit of an assessment about severity as well too, and then go on to access any services that you may need. For example, in Australia, we have something called a mental health care plan which your general practitioner can help you set up and that can access uh, psychological um, therapy through that that plan. And that's always a good place to start. Mm. And then I think obviously too, after what we've just been talking about, I think that's probably the the, the essential bit because you need that professional assessment for, for severity and some guidance on that. But as well as that is to really maybe take the opportunity to explore that sort of deeper meaning and that inner meaning what is that for you and how you how you can connect to that as well too and we've talked about some of the ways uh just in in our discussion today but there are many ways to do that and i think that that is really important as well too to have that that anchor that that create that sense of certainty and security to have a noble goal of some sort to be working towards that can help you rise above that um, material um, existence that is often as we've discussed so uncertain and can be so unpredictable Mm, thank you so much jasmine been wonderful chatting with you that's a pleasure see you I'd also like to thank our listeners and our great team who work behind the scenes If you've enjoyed today's episode, remember to subscribe and share with friends. For any comments or feedback, please email mindandsoulmatters at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If today's episode has raised any concerns for you, please contact your local mental health service. And for our listeners in Australia, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or contact your local GP. Join me next month as I speak to Dr. Duane Varan, one of the most interesting people I know on realizing our potential, cultivating environments that bring out the best in ourselves and each other. I look forward to your company then on Mind and Soul Matters.